Casting Cares on a Caring God, today on Abounding Grace. It is hard. I'm not going to disagree with you. It's hard for you right now. I'm sorry. It's hard for me right now. But don't forget your brotherhood. They're suffering too. Their suffering is something that we share together. And you know what I found? It really helps when you help carry the load with one another. It really helps when we obey God. I've never been disappointed when I've cast my care upon the Lord. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Whether it says you're hit with the news you have COVID, you're laid off from work, or a problem arises at home, we all have cares and concerns, and we worry at times. So how do we rightly handle these cares in life? Peter would tell us, cast them upon God. That's the encouragement in front of us today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in a study of 1 Peter, and today he spotlights chapter 5, verses 7 through 9. Maybe you're troubled and worried about all that's going on in our world right now. You're going to find this super helpful. Notice again verse 7. What a beautiful passage. Casting, mark that word, all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Take every need to him in those times of anxiousness and worry. Cast them upon the Lord. He cares for you. He so totally cares and loves you. The Greek language here speaks of a once and for all casting. Cast them and leave them there. Cast them and leave them there. And that, that's hard to do in our minds. We are able to cast them, but we just take them home. We're able to cast them, but then a phone rings and it's worse. We're able to cast them, and there there is a once-for-all repetitive habit of bringing your concerns to the Lord. It's not giving Him a few. It's not holding on to the ones that we think we can handle on our own. It's not even picking and choosing what you think is important to God. You know, how many times have you heard, well, you know, I just didn't pray about that because I didn't think God cares. No, He does care. He cares for you. And because he cares for you, you cast all your care. It's a place of humility and trust. You can jot it down in Luke chapter 10, verse 2. Well, let's not jot it down. Turn over there, Luke chapter 10. And you can see this for yourself. Instead of quoting it from memory, let's read it together. There's power in reading God's word. So let's allow it to be read. This is that familiar passage of the sisters, Mary and Martha, and the visit of Jesus to their home. And in verse 38, it says, Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had called a a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care? that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. Mary's chosen that good part, 
which will not be taken away from her. In this case, I don't believe that Martha's mistake was serving because it comes after in a preposition. I believe the mistake that she makes is often the one that we make in verse 40. She was distracted. And in her distraction, you have this cycle of serving. And because you're so busy serving, you're distracted. And notice what happened in verse 41. Jesus says, the issue of your serve, the problem with your distraction is you're worried and troubled. You are worried and troubled. You're worried about your sister, troubled about her. You think she should do something else. But in actuality, it's like a real gentle, careful rebuke. You know, the, the reality is, is that she's really made a good choice. Her choice has been really good. He never says her choice was bad. The results of it were bad. I mean, somebody's going to cook a meal and be gracious and hospitable. That is lifted up for us as a character trait to have in the body of Christ. But he's like, look, this, the, the issue is this. Mary's chosen a good thing. And you're worried and troubled all about the wrong thing. And because you're worried and troubled, you're distracted. And so dealing with this distracted life, you've poured yourself into serving. And because you've got all this mixture, I just want you to know what, you're, what you see in your sister, Ryan, you, it's worth copying. She took the lower place. If you could see, you know, you got Martha standing up and working super hard in the kitchen. And then you've got Martha just down at that lower place at the feet of Jesus, which was not a, a clean a place to be and not a desired place to be for the Jewish person, male or female. It was responsibility, as you remember, as Jesus was washing the feet of the disciples, it was the responsibility of the lowest slave in the house to be at the feet of the guests. Mary took that place of absolute humility before Jesus, and Jesus says, that's a good choice. That's a good choice. And one of the descriptions of this that I always like to remind myself is in Martha's busy, distracted, serving and worried and trouble, all she could do is tell Jesus what to do. But in that sweet place of humility, Mary or Mary at the feet, Martha busy, Mary at the feet of Jesus, Mary was so close and so quiet and so intimate with her Savior that if he wanted to whisper to her, he could hear the whisper. And it's a beautiful thing to be close to him. To be in that place of trusting the chief shepherd where there's peace and comfort. Jesus is the chief shepherd, Peter said. He wants us to know that he cares. He cares. Jesus is the pastor that will never let you down. Jesus is the pastor that will never discourage you. Jesus is the pastor and never, never feel overwhelmed with you. Jesus is the pastor that will never be disappointed in you. We learned a song just recently at the end of our services this last weekend. Beautiful song. It's just a, it was just such a sweet time. It, everything flowed so well. And I don't know how many of you really paid attention or could grasp in the first time through uh, but I downloaded the song in Apple Music and I started playing it again all week here. And these lyrics uh, are powerful in, when you think of the care of Jesus. And, and here's the lyrics. This is how the song starts. Uh, it's Jaira from 
Chandler Moore, Maverick City in Elevation. It says, I'll never be more loved than I am right now. And then they said this phrase. This is an interesting phrase. Those of you who heard it. Wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. <laughs> that was just, like, what did I have to bring to Jesus when I, like, what? I, like, I, 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 am, I came to him totally dependent as I am to this moment. I wasn't holding him up. I'm not somehow propping up the life of God. And because of that, I can trust him with my life even when I failed him. Like, I love that. I wasn't holding you up, so there's nothing I can do to let you down. And then there's that phrase, doesn't take a trophy to make you proud. I'll never be more loved than I am right now. I was like, so good. That's what Peter's saying here in a different way. Inspired of the Holy Spirit, Peter's saying, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. He wants you to come to him. He wants you to take care of him. Again, if you want, uh, let me read to you from Psalm 103 from the New Living Translation. Uh, it, it is a beautiful thing where God is saying to us, he says, the Lord is, this is Psalm 103, verse 8, New Living Translation. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him. For he knows how weak we are. He remembers us. He remembers we are only dust. He's like a father to his kids. He knows, he says, tender and compassionate. He knows how weak we are. I love how they put that. Because if you look in the New King James, it sounds a little harsher, doesn't it? I mean, it's a great attribute, but in the New King James, in Psalm 103, it says, in that very same section, it doesn't talk about the tenderness as much. Notice in, in verse, again, verse 13, it says, as a father pities his children. I just think that's a poor translation. He's not around pitying you. What a poor position you're in. If you just look to me, it'd be better. No, it's, it's a, as a father has compassion and tenderness. He's not, it's not pitying. He's Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frames. You know, it says pities twice. No, he's tender and compassionate like a dad. Like a perfect dad, even if you haven't experienced that. But you can change that in your generation. You can change what by coming to your heavenly father, even as you would want your kids to come to you. Well, before we head out, I do want to deal quickly with verse 8 and 9. Because in humility and submission, there's a warfare going on. And he says in verse 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom we may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. This is so important to be reminded that there's always a battle. In times of struggle, in times of persecution, in times of unfairness and injustice, anxieties, frustrations. But even in times of peace and blessing, there's a warfare. You have 
Notice he says you have an adversary. The devil is not your friend. Neither is anything that he says or anything that he does. An adversary, the word is often used in the Greek language to describe like an attorney opposing you. You have someone in opposition to you. And perhaps you can understand this because in in your human relationships, you have adversaries. It's not fun, is it? It's not fun to have someone opposing you. Someone coming, always coming against you. Someone that is always calling you names or wanting to tear you down. Uh, that those, are, those, those are really instruments of your real adversary, right? We wrestle not against flesh and blood. The battle isn't in the human realm, even though it's lived out in the human realm. That that's not the real enemy. The real enemy is right here. You have an adversary, the devil, and he's he's walking around roaring, looking on the prowl for a weak spot or to have you corner where you have no way out. Here you are, you want to grow and be mightily used of God. You want to walk in humility. You want no longer to have pride. But Satan, he wants to devour and destroy you. He wants to devour your dreams, your marriage. He wants to corrupt your singleness. He wants to erode and make your ministry ineffective. He wants you. He wants your spouse. He wants your kids. He wants your family. And let me tell you, he'll take everything that you will give him, including your life. He's, he wants to take you out. Remember the enemy we learned? He comes except to kill, steal, and destroy. There isn't anything else he does. He, he is a destructive, evil rebellious, created being that opposes God and every high thing that is in your life. You know, we, we hear the phrase, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And it's true. But the devil hates you and has a horrible plan for your life. We learn to abide in Christ. And notice he says, be sober. Man, be sober-minded. Keep your mind clear. Of course, that speaks of alcohol and drugs and things that will mess up your thinking. But it also, you can be drunk with, with, you know, you can be drunk on success. You can be drunk on wealth. You can be all, you, you can lack sobriety by being caught up in things you don't belong in. I think of everyone that turns to pornography, even people who are thinking about doing pornography tonight after church. That is not a sober thing to do. That is not a vigilant thing to do. You are placing yourself in a position for the enemy, your adversary, to utterly destroy you. And that's even before you're found out. That's even before it comes out. That's even before you come clean to your wife, before you come clean to your pastoral overseer, before you come clean to your boss because it's on company computers. It's already destroying you because your adversary is taking advantage of the weakness of your flesh. And that selfish desire to satisfy yourself in a means that is unworthy of the calling of God. Be sober. It's not just drunkenness. I mean, staying away. You know, as I've been sharing with you, church, over the years, staying away from alcohol and drugs is a gimme. That is an easy one. That's easy. You will never, ever in a million years ever get drunk if you don't take the first drink. Never. You want to stay away from the sin of drunkenness? Don't take the first drink. Oh, but Ed, I can handle it. That, that's up between you and the Lord. I don't know what you can handle, what you can't handle. But if you take a drink, you are on the pathway to drunkenness. Amen. Period. There, I don't know what, what other pathway are you on. There's just no other path. And so the Bible says you want to deal with the enemy? 
Be sober. Be vigilant. Keep your eyes open. And then what do you do in verse 9? Resist him. Steadfast in the faith. It's good, you know, isn't it? That uh, Peter doesn't say, scream at him. Yell at him. Take your coat off and spin it like on television. Oh, you devil, I'll take you on. The devil just like, you seriously, bro. <laughs> seriously, you, you do not understand. There is power not in yelling at the devil and screaming at the devil, but abiding in Christ. Because you have an advocate. You have an adversary, but what does the Bible say? You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is able to stand in the gap when the accusations come and the temptations come your way. And all that, like, no, 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 I'm in Christ. My life is hidden in him. And you can be strong there. But and we put ourselves in places of weakness. Not only that, he says, number one, resist them. Number two, steadfast in the faith. And I believe tonight, you know, being among the believers listening, watching online, maybe catching it later after work, like this is... This is a step of steadfastness. Doing things you don't want to do. Like I'd rather be at home sleeping because you had a tire. It's not a sinful decision. I'd rather be home watching the Dodger game. That's not a sinful decision. The Dodgers are doing so well right now. You know, I, I, want, I, I wanted a, a meal tonight. You know, we had a special dinner. But, you know, I think I needed to be a Bible study because I want to be steadfast in the faith. I want to be steadfast. And, and your steadfastness is required when you're ready to give up. Steadfastness is required when you're tired. Steadfastness is required, just like submission. It's like submission is needed when you don't want to submit. That's the time to submit. And so stay steadfast in the faith. And, and let me just say on a simple scale, hey, stay steadfast in the faith. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day. Be in fellowship every day. If you need to, take a few of those communion packets, take them home, have communion at home. Be Acts 2.42 right in your home. And if you say, well, Ed, can I take a box? No, you can't take a box. But you can order them on Amazon if you want. <laughs> like, you can get them if you want. But like, take a few and say, I'm going to have communion with my family. I'm going to get my kids together. And so they're in Sunday school right now. So when I get them from children's ministry, you know, this week we'll just have a little time. We'll have communion in the front room. You can do it. Steadfast in the faith. Church in your home, church in your car, church in the building. Steadfast in the faith, staying singular focus, seeking ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added. And then he also adds in verse 9, I like this, and this is where we'll close. Just know that your brothers around the world are suffering too. You're not alone in your suffering. In the attacks, the roaring lion. We have the protection of God. Daniel's testimony will become our testimony. The roaring lion can't touch you. He's roaring. He's fighting. He's up in your grill. You can feel his breath, all the, all the spit coming out of the lion's mouth. But he can't touch you. The lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, stands in our defense. And then you're not the only one. Like the whole world's going through it. One of the things that God's really led me recently to do is to read go back into some of the resources I have. I already own them. I've read them years ago, but I'm reading about the suffering around the world. Right now I'm reading Brother Yoon's testimony of the underground church in China and the things that brother went through. Like that brother, man, he is such a great testimony. Next I'll be reading that book. It was a pick of the month not too long ago about our brothers and sisters in the Middle East suffering underground. 
in Iraq, in Iran. And it's given me, reminding me of perspective in my own life. Yeah, I have some difficulties in my life, for sure. Difficulties I'd never want you to experience. But what about my brothers in Egypt? Church, it is hard. I'm not going to disagree with you. It's hard for you right now. I'm sorry. It's hard for me right now. But don't forget your brotherhood. They're suffering too. Their suffering is something that we share together. And you know what I found? It really helps when you help carry the load with one another. It really helps when we obey God. I've never been, dis- I've never been disappointed when I've cast my care upon the Lord. I was even doing that early this morning. And the Lord spoke to me this morning. I wrote it in my journal. The Lord spoke to me. I shared it with the staff. I wrote, Ed, you just got to do what you're supposed to do. That was his word to me. I just got to do what I'm supposed to do. And, just, and it was like my, my version of, like, keep your eyes on me, and I got you. T- I'm taking care of you. You just got to do what I put you on the earth to do, son. You'll find your most joy when you fulfill my call upon your life. You're going to be most encouraged when you are exactly where I want you. So just do what you got to do. And I share that with you. Maybe that's a word from the Lord for you. Gave it for me, but it's also for you. Just do what you're supposed to do. Be sober. Be vigilant. Fight the good fight. Finish the race. Stand strong as we'll see next time in the grace of God. Because he loves you and he cares for you. And the key to accessing all of this is that choice to humble myself and abide in Christ. Isn't that good? I like what Mary Crowley said. Every evening, I turn worries over to God. He's going to be up all night anyway. You're listening to Abounding Grace and a message from Ed Taylor called Humble Yourself. Hear it again at AboundingGraceRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Pastor Ed, not long ago you shared a quote that really ministered to me, and it really ties into what you've been talking about today, and that is, feelings follow action. Would you talk about that for a minute? Yeah, you know, Larry, feelings are overwhelming, aren't they? They uh, immediately rise up. Feelings of happiness, sadness, anger, frustration, uh, euphoria, success, all of them, they, they, they seem to rise up and... Feelings take the front row seat in our lives, and we often will act out on our feelings. Um, But in order to get through the feelings, we need to begin to walk in obedience to take every thought into captivity into Jesus Christ. We don't want we don't want our our feelings to control our actions. We want our actions to harness in our feelings. We want to do the right thing. Listen, we want to do the right thing no matter how we're feeling. And, you know, there's so much to unpack in that. That's like a Bible study in and of itself. But I I agree with you. I like the phrase. It stuck with me. Action, our obedience, our commitment. You know, just think about the simple thing, uh, the simple instruction. If you follow the simple instruction, read the Bible and pray every day. Read the Bible and pray every day. It's going to lead your feelings. Your actions will lead your feelings. uh, And then you'll begin to find that God will overwhelm you with a sense of his presence, overwhelm you with a sense of his love and his purpose for your life. Thanks, Pastor Ed. I'm sure someone needed to hear that. Maybe you're looking for a good book to go through as we begin a new year. Well, here in the month of January, we picked out an excellent one written by Lee Strobel. It's The Case for Heaven. We all want to know what awaits us on the other side of death. 
Do we just cease to exist, as some suggest, or reincarnate? Is there a heaven and hell? Much like a journalist, author Lee Strobel interviews experts about the evidence for the afterlife. You'll receive answers to your questions about what happens after we die. We'll send you a copy when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. Just call and ask for The Case for Heaven, our number 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. You can also order online at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. And as we begin another year of delivering God's Word one verse at a time, we're looking to our listeners for help. Together, we can reach people with the love and truth of Christ and make a difference in these last days. To make a secure donation, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com or call 877-30-GRACE. Well, next time on Abounding Grace, we'll continue Pastor Ed Taylor's study of 1 Peter. Thank you for listening today, and we'll look for you tomorrow as we open the Word together in search of God's abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.